Welcome to the Kara's Cures Digital Show and Podcast, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness. I'm Kara Sundland. This, is, this episode is sponsored by the Center for Advanced Reproductive Services. So school is back in full swing, and while academic, academics are so important, so are the friends you meet along the way. Dr. Laura Saunders from the Institute of Living is here to tell us what we can do to help our kids make friends during this school year. Welcome, doctor. Thank you, Kara. Thank you for having me. You know, this is a tricky subject because nothing hurts more than watching your kids feel so sad or rejected or saying they don't want to go to school because they can't eat with anyone or they're being left out. I mean, what do you do? So I do like to emphasize that the social skills and the ability to make friends is, in my mind as a psychologist, equally as important as academic learning. Because no matter what you do for the rest of your life, you need to learn to get along with other people. You need to learn to, to interact and be adaptive in, in life and work situations. Um, so, it, and it is sometimes really hard as parents to look at your child and say, wow, they, they can't seem to either maintain friendships or they frequently complain about people that they're friends with because they can't, you know, they can't get along or they just seem kind of lonely and isolated. Schools, you know, naturally in the course of a day have, you know, certain periods of time, like, you know, in middle school and high school, lunch is a hugely unstructured time. In elementary school, it's a little different because you're usually sitting with your classroom, um, but those unstructured times are extremely difficult for kids with any kind of anxiety or who struggle at all with communicating or socializing. Yeah, why is it so hard for some kids to make friends or keep them? Honestly, I, I do think that there are just some kids that naturally have good social skills, and it may be in part their environment. You know, there's a lot of communication that happens in their environment. They have some measure of self-confidence to take risks and step into a situation. Because if you think about it from a child's perspective, if you don't know someone and you are, are asking to either join their play or asking them to play with you, that's a little bit of, a, of an emotionally vulnerable time. So you have to have some measure of self-confidence to say, will you, will you play with me or can I play with you? Um, and then go from there. So, so it is a combination of things. There are some kids that are just better at it than others. Um, but even if your child isn't good at it, there are things that we can do to help them. Yeah, so let's talk about it. If you're noticing that your kids are having trouble making friends, you say it's not just as easy as he likes me or doesn't like me. There are social skills that can be taught. Yes. So there are underlying skills to, to, to you know, being a friend. And I always like to remind parents, actually, all you need is one friend to have a protective factor, right? To, to have, all you need is one. You don't need a dozen. You don't even need a half dozen as long as you have one friend. And if you notice that your child's struggling to interact, um, you can do some coaching at home. You can emphasize taking turns. You know, you can ask, you know, who do you, you, know, who do you typically play with and, and, and or who do you have lunch with? I, when I do clinical interviews with kids, I actually always ask the kids' names because I like to see how quickly they can come up with a name. Like, oh, I, have, I, I often have lunch with with John and Mary versus um, I don't remember their names, right? To me, that's a sign that they may be struggling a little bit more. But to do things at home, you can do kind of social scripts. You can say, let's practice, you know, asking a friend to 
you know, do something at recess or asking a friend to join your group and, and kind of practice some scripts because that really can be helpful. Do you think that the kids are farther behind now, even more so because of the pandemic? I absolutely think that that the restrictions that happened in schools because of this global pandemic has negatively affected our children. You know, it's affected children all along the developmental spectrum in different ways. But if you think about the life of a you know child, say 13 or under, about three years of their life was disrupted in, in, in some homeschooling or virtual learning or some kids in class, some kids not in class or being in class and then being out of class and wearing masks. It really has affected their ability, I think, to, to read social cues when people are wearing masks and to learn how to interact with people face to face as opposed to just doing things online. Now, sometimes kids are just mean. And I think as a parent, we don't know, should we step in? Should you call a mom and say, hey, your kid's excluding mine? Or, you know, what do you do as a parent to navigate that? So so I think there's a fine line there. I really believe that that the best intervention is to work with your child around developing skills, to, you know, to learn how to say, you know, make I statements like, I feel hurt when you do that to me or, you know, or to set up situations with, uh, you know, another parent where, you know, the parent, even to some degree, and you invite that child over and you set up a condition where remember to ask your friend to, to, you know, play X and then we give them a snack, right? You just kind of set the stage a little bit to do that kind of coaching. I think that's fine. I get a little concerned about calling other parents because, you don't know what other people's situations are, um, but if it's if there's ways to set up um, an expectation that this is going to be a somewhat positive interaction, and it doesn't even have to be very positive, it just has to be an okay interaction. But it's a skill, so like any skill, it takes practice. Some people are naturally good at it, some people need a little more work. Yeah. And I know if you happen to have kids um, with ADHD, which is super common, or even kids on the spectrum, just even how their brain works might have their social skills a little bit delayed because maybe they're not processing those social cues the way a neurotypical child would. Yes. So any kids that have vulnerabilities, so it could be a significant learning disability. It could be, you know, a, a some type of, of emotional issue, anxiety or ADHD, um, could certainly kid, any kids that have been through trauma, right? They may have some limitations in their ability to read social cues or to communicate their intent. Certainly um, young people on the autism spectrum have difficulties in the area of communication. Um, sometimes kids that are really inattentive and impulsive might jump into a conversation and not you know, wait for that reciprocity. Um, because reciprocity is really important in a friendship, right? I share something with you, you share something with me. And that really, you know, starts at a, at a very young age. Mm -hmm. You know, as kids get older, especially as they become teens, yeah, I know we have to step back, but it's almost, it's hard because their friends are so important. And if something happens where they're excluded or they're, I mean, they can really go into uh, a sad state. How, how do you support your kids when maybe their friend group is being mean to them? So in a situation like that, what I often suggest is that the, you know, let's, how do we empower our, our child, right? So they may feel rejected by maybe this friend group. All right. So 
think about someone in your in your grade or in your classes or or someone that you play sports with um and and come up with someone that you want to make an effort with and make a connection to and it might be different from that initial kind of social group that they're feeling excluded from but you want to empower them to say yes i really want to try to be to be friends with joanne so i'm going to try to be friends with joanne so what's one thing you can do to be friends with joanne why don't you bring a little extra snack and and offer it to her Mm -hmm. so to find someone and again the focus isn't just finding one person not a group because sometimes groups are really hard to manage and groups become really kind of powerful and sometimes destructive as we get into middle school and high school so to really then shift your focus on finding one person that you can make a connection to because that's the biggest protective factor one person, right? It only takes one friend. And I know I say that to my kids sometimes. They'll say, oh, so-and-so. So let's just talk about that. What do you say to kids when they're concerned? And we can all remember being that age, but they're concerned about, you know, the quote-unquote the popular group or the other kids. Or they don't really want to be friends with those kids because they were friends with them. And, and that kid's not cool. And there's all of that that they're dealing with. How do you help navigate that? Because we know sometimes the quote unquote popular kids are not always the ones that they, they sometimes have the most drama. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say that's a probably good uh, rule of thumb. Um, so again, it's to break things down into small and manageable pieces, right? What do you and don't you have control over? So you do have control over making a connection to another friend. You don't have control over what this group of individuals is doing, whether they are including you or not including you. And that's where social media really becomes very tricky in this situation. As kids get a little older, hopefully elementary school kids are not on social media, but they still have some online groups that they might do uh, via gaming systems. Um, But social media can really build in a lot of social comparison, which inevitably makes people feel inadequate about themselves. Uh, It makes adults feel inadequate. It definitely makes uh, young people feel inadequate. Um, so focusing on what you do have control over, you know, re-shifting your energy to that one friend. And honestly, if there's an ongoing problem that you're concerned about, please reach out to the school. Teachers have, a, have an incredible developmental perspective. And they can say, you know, the, the issues that I see going on with your child, I think are in line with this time of year or, or issues I've seen with other kids. I don't see it as being, you know, outside of typical right now. So teachers really can offer a lot of perspective. If there are more serious difficulties happening, that's where school support personnel can step in and provide some additional training or a small group or do things um, to make it a little easier for your child. Yeah. And in closing, what are some things we can do as families? I know just modeling, you know, good reciprocity at home or thank yous and trying not to yell in front of your kids and that kind of stuff. I mean, we, we have to be good role models. But beyond that, like what else helps kids learn these social skills? Like does being on a team sport help or reading certain books? Right. So I, I do think having a variety of experiences and if your child's not into sports, then find the local kind of, you know, art league. I mean, there are there are other things that you can do to give your child alternative experiences. And what those other experiences do is they create a common bond. So if you're playing soccer or if you're in an art class or if you're you know in a hiking club, whatever it is, you already have a common bond. So it just makes that connection even a little bit easier. And some kids might actually be okay 
spending more time alone, right? You might have a little introvert on your hand who just needs to get away and doesn't want to go out with friends all the time. Right. So we do have to be careful about not imp imposing our standard on our child, right? So as as a highly social individual myself, I have to be very careful that I'm not imposing that need for constant socialization on my children if they, you know, really don't have a high tolerance for those kind of situations. So it's being careful not to impose your own issues or, or your own expectations and really meeting your child where they're at emotionally and developmentally. You know, and I'll ask you this last question because I know you have special um, special training in this and special experiences, but we talk a lot about anyone with vulnerabilities, and, and younger and younger kids are learning about the LGBTQ community. I know you said that kids who are part of that community are even more at risk. What's your advice for those kids about being honest about who they are and, and what ages and, and how, in probably a whole other segment, but in general, navigating that and how can we support as parents? So again, it's, it's doing things in a way that feels safe. So it, do you feel safe, you know, sharing this aspect of yourself with a friend? Um, I find actually in, in a lot of situations with the LGBTQ youth that I work with that they've often shared things with friends well before they shared anything with their parents. Um, and, and kids really become attuned to other children who might be more open and sensitive to their to aspects of their identity and they tend to gravitate together so very often it's it's doing things that feels emotionally safe for you not just physically safe and allowing our kids to be who they are and not be who we expect them to be yeah yeah a lot of navigating, a lot of helping. We can all remember feeling really sad. I guess that's part of it. We got to learn how to how to bounce back when the when things aren't going our way with friends too, because there are mean people for the rest of your life too. <laughs> and you know what? Parenting's the hardest job. So the more we check in with other parents and and try to reduce the sense of like, is this just me going through it? I think that can be really really helpful for parents. Absolutely. And of course, if you need extra help, like you said, there's lots of great uh, ways to get help. And, and don't be afraid to ask. Start with your school counselor. That's a great place to start. Absolutely. So, Dr. Laura Saunders, thank you so much for being with us and sharing your wisdom as always. Thank you, Kara. And if you want more information on the cutting edge of wellness, you can watch or listen to previous Kara's Cures on the podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcast, or on WFSB+. Be sure to follow me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Kara Sundlin. I like to share this content there. Have a great day, everyone, and be well.